Hey there, folks. We are back once again. It's episode 102, and this week on the Uticast, we are joined by a man who probably should have been on the show a long time ago. Uh, artist, uh, Renaissance man, Tony Thompson, joins us for a really interesting, candid discussion. Great guy, great time. Uh, Heather is back again this week. We are talking about the Paris Climate Agreement. Uh, we are talking about Bill Maher, Kathy Griffin, a little history lesson. Uh, we're going to talk about band breakups. We're going to talk about a whole bunch more, all that. We are so happy to have you back, Uticast. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, we're here. Maybe you can commiserate with me on this. I'm having a hard time regulating today. I mean, like, body temperature. Like, I've been cold today, and then I would take my jacket off, and I'd be hot. And then I'm like, no, I'm cold again. I don't think I'm getting sick. I think I'm just... No, it's the weather. It would be windy one second, and then you're putting on, like, a coat. Then it's humid, and it's the humidity is up and down. It's rainy. It's windy. I agree. It's the whole thing. It's damp. It's everything. I spent a chunk of the weekend out in the sun in shorts next to the lake, and now, like, today I brought a jacket to work, and it was, like, cold, but now it's kind of hot, but still gray. Yeah. maybe just humid, but still kind of cold and humid. Is that even a thing? It doesn't make you want to do anything. Wild weather, man. It's why a friend of mine who texted me was just like, am I ever going to get to go outside with my dog? It's just raining or miserable. <laughs> Every day I want it to Your be Your dog would side. love to go outside in the rain and take him out because he deserves it because he's a good boy. Good boy. That's what I say to that listener. Yeah, there good you boy. go. Good boy. Uh, although, it wouldn't shock me if I was getting sick because I got to tell you guys a little secret. I got something today approved that I've never had before my entire career of having a job. I got vacation time approved. Wow. Ooh. That's mm. awesome. Now yeah, you, yeah. everyone gets sick on vacation. You had vacation time with the other one, too, didn't you? At MetLife? Yeah, when you went to Maine. That's true. I guess I did have vacation. I didn't count that because it. I hated it. I didn't it. take, like, the wind out of your sails or anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I guess well, I did. Actually. You know what? I blocked out a lot of time from MetLife. Like, I, I didn't think of that Maine trip as part of MetLife for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't think about MetLife that much anymore. Smart. <laughs> I forgot it existed. The job itself, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, no, no, but like, this is the first time I've ever had just like, so here's here's the scenario, right? I don't know if you've ever, this is, I guess is what I mean. This is the first time I've ever had, like, you've accrued vacation time and it's going to go away if you don't use it. So you might Ooh, as well use, use some of this it. time, right? That was kind of, I guess that's what I mean more often than not. Because I... Somebody sort of rocked me, like, you know, you lose your vacation time at the end of this month if you didn't take it. Do you know how much you have? And I'm like, I don't know. What? What, what yeah. does that even mean? I like, vacation? Yeah. So I went on the internet, uh, and I found out how much vacation time I had, and they're like, you have 16 days worth of vacation time. Oh, Yo, that you have to nice. use by when? By the end of this month. Oh, you're... you're <laughs> oh, let's go. Where are you going? <laughs> what are you doing? Do you have plans? No, I've, I've planned nothing You yet. should get some plans. All right, okay, so here, so let me, let me lay out the scenario here for you. Um... This is the last week of school for the for the kids at the students, right? Right. At the end of this week, they're done. They go out for summer vacation. <laughs> Going right with them. Going right with them. Right? <laughs> uh, the walk week, out the door right the week after that, I took I have four days of that week off. I have to go to work Monday that day because we have a kayaking trip that we're taking the kids on. So I'm going kayaking for work next Monday. Um, that's a great day of work. How about that? That's fun. Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah. Uh, then I have four days vacation. Then I go back to work for a week. But check this out. 
my work trip is taking the juniors on their college trip to D.C. for three days. So I'm going to, like, the Smithsonian and the Capitol Building and all that kind of stuff, which I've never done before. So that's my job for three days is to, like, show these kids the Smithsonian and be like, look how dope this thing is. And I'm just going to look at it and they're going to be like, we don't care. We have cell phones. Like, I don't, none of this is exciting to us. And I'm like, look, it's where the president sits. And they're like, we. Yeah, but does it spin? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, but but does (laughs) it spin, though? Does this spin, though, is what I'm asking you. So, yeah, vacation. And then I have a week off after that. So that's my next three weeks. So you don't even have enough days left in the month to take no. these 16 No, days. I'm losing. Do you I'm, think they told you on purpose so late that they knew you wouldn't be able to take them? I think that it's probably smart on their part if that's the case. <laughs> Save themselves a little bit of... Interesting. I don't think See, it's we'll the get worst that. idea. I'll get that at my work with vacation days where... You know, somebody in, like, HR let me know, hey, you got some vacation days coming. But by the nature of my job, like... My schedule can be flexible when I need it to be if I need a day here or there, mm-hmm. but by nature of my yes. job and it being very event-based, like they'd be like, hey, you know, you've got two or three days coming up, you know, you got to take them off or you're going to lose them. I'm like, okay, well, in those two or three days, we've got, uh, like, the Boilermaker. Like, yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah, really, yeah. you know you what I mean? I'm going to have to come to work. Can I just have some money for them? Yeah. But it doesn't usually. Well, I think that's kind of the other point. I'm on your side of this coin as well because it's like, well, you have vacation time you can mm-hmm. take whenever you want, except for... All of these days, which you are vitally yeah, yeah, yeah. required persona that you have to be here, so don't think about taking them on these days, right? I don't miss having um, to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You're a you're just, like a you're a business owner. What's your yeah, vacation so like? I, whenever, but until I had a kid, <laughs> then I realized that's like I'm going on vacation. I'm like, that's great. We, not that Kaz is not, but we're still like a full time job with him all the time. So yeah, yeah. No matter yeah. what, he goes to bed at seven thirty, and once again, mm. we're like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're just gonna be like, yeah, let's no, get an Airbnb in awesome. Boston. And I know. Go, we like, can, I mean, we could, but we have days. to like see having a kid though. Uh, ties you into what I consider like the next stage of your vacationing which mm-hmm. is as he as he gets older yeah, you guys are going on like family vacations yeah. and that's like a whole different thing so now we just figure out things to do from 6am to 7 are you ever going to do Disney are you going to Disney one no, no? He's, he's, he's going to take himself to Disney when he gets old enough you should take him yeah, you should take I mean, him I want to take him when he can like have you ever been to it. Disney no I haven't you need it's to awesome. go so I've been to Canada's Wonderland it's one of the one of the few things kind of kind of does not count that's where I went Disney Disney is one of the few things that's tough to be cynical about going down to the Disney parks. Yeah, not the parks. For the parks that? are hard to be cynical about. Disney yeah, yeah, is a yeah. corporation. I can be very cynical. I just want to be able to be himself <laughs> yeah. and like I don't want to do. Yeah, it of as course, you're not going to care. I want to be like eight. Yeah. yeah, he could really enjoy it and stay up past seven and have fun. So. When I was a little kid, I, I we're already off on a tangent, but that's okay. When I was a little kid, um, one of the preeminent important trips of my lifetime was me, my mom. Her sister, her two kids were my age, my grandparents, and my other cousins and their kids. So, like, seven people in a van, eight people in a van, driving to Florida together to visit my oh, family. Oh, it sounds like a nightmare. It was, oh, it was an absolute nightmare. And this is, <laughs> you're talking, so like, 1992, oh, so 1993, no, right? no iPhone, no nothing. Nothing, no, 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 we were, books, books, and my mom had, like, my mom had, like, travel checkers and, like, travel oh, yeah. Monopoly and stuff you would play in the car, but, like... They're always the worst and, like, made of small magnets that weren't even the right pieces. Oh, yeah, terrible. All those travel yeah. games are the worst. All trash. And then uh, I remember, like, my cousin... Uh, sorry, Cousin Joe, I love you. My cousin Joe <laughs> uh, crying because he didn't want to go to the restaurant that everyone wanted to go once we got to the hotel because they didn't have pizza. So he ended up going to Pizza Hut, but the adults hated it. So it was like this... It was just, like, everything that... That's, that's, it was, that's a crazy drive. Yeah. 
But those like terrible experiences kind of are what I remember. I remember very little of the actual rest of the trip. I just remember all the the crazy. Just drama, being right. It's an overload. Like once you get yeah. to the actual places and stuff, like hold the memories. But it's always that stuff that holds. And you remember like oh. times you have when you're younger. It's always weird stuff about the travel or different, like non sequiturs like that. Mm. Uh, so, s- listeners, if you have any suggestions for where I should go for my, uh, I guess, nine days of vacation that I have From floating around. From 16 to nine. Well, <laughs> nine work days of vacation plus the weekends. So let me think about this. Nine, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13 days of vacation. So on and off what I should do with my 13 days. You can go up to Brandingham Lake. That's where I went this weekend. It was amazing. You should go up there. Yeah, you should go up there with Hang your... the woods. Yeah, with your brother, right? That my brother, nice. a bunch of my cousins, my uncle, everybody. Yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, get out there before mm. all the black flies get out. Because you're coming right into the worst part of the season. That's true. We were pretty lucky. We were lucky this past weekend, too. It was a little bit cool, especially at night, so there mm-hmm. weren't too many bugs. And, like, I had jeans yeah, and a sweatshirt on Yeah, you're getting vacation during the worst. Worst, yeah. Worst. The Adirondacks is covered it's with bugs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I might, uh, I might, and I'm, I'm very tempted to just uh, take a little uh, sneak trip down to New York City by myself. I've like done a that solo, a couple times. There you go. Solo New York City trip. Take to the see train some from my... Albany in. Don't take spend... much but gas in the car. No, it does not. It's like forty dollars to take a train from Albany in yeah. and just like hmm. hang out for the day. Uh, so that's a lot of preamble for uh, for our stuff today. Vacation time. I like vacations. Though. Vacation's a good su- uh, subject. It's a good podcasting subject. You can go a lot of ways with vacations. It's true. A lot of different kinds of vacations. A lot of different kinds of vacations. You know what one's not as great when you get older? The work vacation? Like, you're going to uh, D.C., and it's one of those things where like you're on vacation, but not all the way on vacation. That's true. That's fair. Mm-hmm. However, in this particular scenario, so when I was a kid, I was supposed to go to D.C. Mm-hmm. I was in Donovan Middle School, and I was supposed to go to D.C., and my grandfather got sick and he ended up passing away so i didn't go the weekend of the trip on the field trip yeah. on the field trip and i know that's kind of sad but that's not what we're no, going to talk okay. about i never actually ended up going back to dc right so mm-hmm. i've never even driven through dc i've never gone to dc um you know it, it's going to be quite the experience i'm a big museum guy so i'm very jazzed i've driven Smithsonian. i've driven through dc like past it on the highway and it's the worst <laughs> you've never seen traffic in your life i've been to a lot of different i've been Great. to los angeles i've been to mm-hmm. new york been to South Florida, you've never seen traffic like you see in D.C. and on the Beltway mm. and stuff like that. It's insane. Mm. You wonder why everybody's so angry down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got a couple of stories that we can get into for our major talking points for this week. Um, one of them I'm kind of tempted to kick to the back. You guys want to talk about politics now get out of the way or you want to talk about cell phones? Save cell phones oh, for cell later. Phone. Politics are like an... I always want to talk about politics, and I also never want to talk about politics. All right, so let's <laughs> let's move cell phone my cell phone conversation to the end. And we'll talk about the Paris Climate Agreement. Oh, um, yeah, there you go. That's a <laughs> I think everyone's still talking about go. that right now. Yeah, we stand with uh, Syria and who, Nicaragua? Nicaragua. I know that that's... I should be angry about that, you but like... love Nicaragua. I love Nicaragua. I you know am Syrian. Syrian. No. <laughs> that's love, true. I, I am Syrian. I love Nicaragua. Uh, oh. I live in America. And I you're sh- now on a list. And I'm now on a list. I know, I know. I, I studied, uh, like, Nicaragua history in college. It's a part of my that. major. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, not anymore. We need to history lesson on that sometime. Uh, one of these days... Um, I'll start that. Okay, no, sorry, you know what? I've been down that road. I've seen where it leads. <laughs> I pitched I pitched uh, a series of articles to Parkinson for Maiden Utica, which was just, I'll do my thesis as an article and not a thesis over a couple weeks. And he's like, nah. 
<laughs> nah, I'm not really interested. No, we don't really want a five-piece series about the Sandinista rebels. <laughs> no, they're not really interested. <laughs> it's the 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah, made in the we'll bushes. Made Come in... down and bring your kid to the library and also yeah. violent communist revolutionaries. Yeah, Inter- yeah like yeah. action. Change the name of the website to Made in the Reagan Administration. It'll be a lot of fun for no a week. Uh, no one shows up. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get back to Paris Climate Agreement. Um, so look... Uh, I've seen a lot of takes on this. I, I'm a, as a guy who has talked openly about being atheist and how I'm very into like science and nature, I'm very offended anytime we're like anti-climate change or like taking, you know, taking cheap way out when it comes to like the planet, right? I've also seen a lot of people sort of saying we're making a bigger deal out of this than we should. What side, what side's right and what side's wrong, <laughs> I guess? I mean, if you, you know, to, to read about it and to look at all the sides and everything and really try to get an understanding of it, I mean, those are both correct sentiments to some degree. I've mm-hmm. seen some overblown stuff where people are like, oh, cool, here comes the Armageddon now, here comes the apocalypse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, slow down. Number one, we need to stop talking about climate change in a literal doom and gloom apocalyptic sense because it makes people tune out and you can't have real conversations. Right. That's a separate issue. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing because this is just one more. The reason that I think people are so upset is it's one more example and a repeated example of, like, just making us kind of look bad and look dumb in speaking for the nation. Like, you know, believe what you will about either side of politics. You can support whoever you support, whether you support the president or not. You can't go out there, watch him talk about the the Paris Climate Agreement, and believe that that man understands what it is and what he's talking about. He's a salesman. Yeah, I saw it. And he's a salesman. And, like, look, I get it. You know, you're being a salesman. You're selling whatever. That's your job. You got voted in. But, like, how dare you have the nerve to embarrass us on the world stage and basically give away our leadership role? The same thing he did with NATO. Now we're no longer can be looked at as leaders. You're just relinquishing our leadership role for what? To prove Obama wrong? To make the liberals angry? Like, what are we, come on, what are we doing? It's embarrassment. Step aside. Yeah. So, so get the, more coffee. Well, the line, yeah, you know what? Actually, you hit me up with one. Yeah, uh, so good, I'll bring the pot. I'll bring the pot. So, uh, the line I think that stuck out the most to me, and the one that's getting a lot of play, is Donald Trump. And you really wanted me to do the voice, so I'll do it for you. Is him going, "This was for Pittsburgh, not Paris," uh, which is a silly thing to say because the mayor of Pittsburgh, who came out and talked about this. I know. He basically says, uh, well, Pittsburgh is a great example of a, of a city that had a problem with its you know, economic infrastructure, uh, infrastructure for a long time and businesses leaving, and they didn't rebuild those businesses. They found new businesses to come take the place of the jobs they lost. But that's the whole point of what they were doing is... Eventually yeah. building to that, so. But then you get a, then you go back to Trump talking about how he's doing this for coal miners and how they're going to get coal workers their jobs back, and that just doesn't Did exist. Did you know that Tesla employs more people than the entire coal industry in the United States? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, they do, mm. and they're not a very big company. Well, that's the thing. Like the stuff he says doesn't even make sense. No. None of that has anything to do with what the Paris Climate Agreement mm. even is. Like you can tell he doesn't even have an understanding. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think you you the point you make is really important. It really does seem. A lot of the Paris Climate Agreement is symbolic in a weird way. Like, there wasn't a lot of hard restrictions or rules set on us. Like, we, the idea of it is these 195 nations meet 
and they set their own goals for their countries for things they want to meet to mm-hmm. control these missions. It wasn't even like we but were. We kind of gave everyone hope too. All well, that's across what it is. the whole world, it was this way. We were coming together. Okay, and we're all for gonna... once we're gonna really try to make the environment better, and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do this. And then when we pulled out, I sat home in my little house and was embarrassed. It's I, embarrassing. I was humiliated, and I'm thinking these people are laughing at us now. And why would we pull out something that's so great and it's gonna. It, you would think if it was such an awful thing for somebody like the every single country in the world is on board, and you've got people like China and India who, China's gonna thrive who are developing on. nations. Like I mean, yeah. these countries are getting the short end of the stick because of things the United States has done. I mean, we've mm-hmm. we've put more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than anybody back quite a bit. We're the largest offenders, and now these countries are saying, "Hey." You don't get as long as we had with it because we made such a mess that we've all got to stop and try to start cleaning up this mess or we're going to have a problem. I think it's very telling that every single country pretty much in the world is on board for this thing. Like, I can think of very few things where every damn country in the world is on board. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to give you one other point. Uh, Did you see the French president? He, I, I, I like fall in love with uh, Emmanuel Macron more and more every I time I see him. him. He's... Uh, uh, John Oliver put it really well. He said he basically just told uh, the American scientists to be no, our guest. Just come and live there. No, to be our guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he sang the song. When he uh, said that, it was, no, it's. I wanted to go there after he said that. I'm like, maybe I'll hit him. And it's funny because one of the things France, I go to France anyway. I know. A couple Two things. Two weeks ago or now. <laughs> a couple things that Trump said really showcased the egomania that exists in this administration. One, uh, he talks about how. Even though they're pulling out, they'll find a way to renegotiate this deal and get a better deal for America. No. To which the EU replied, nah, no like, chance. No. <laughs> but they were just they weren't even Wait. like they weren't even like, no, we won't negotiate. They're like, this isn't that this isn't a deal like yeah. that. You can't that's not how this works. It's impossible to renegotiate. Yeah. Like that's not even the thing like, no, we're not gonna renegotiate the deal. It's like it's not even that kind of a deal, you fucking fraud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm saying. Uh yeah, it's it's a sad, it's a sad time. Um, but hey, you know, they get all those coal jobs back, so that's good, oh, I suppose. Yeah, all 12 of them. I just offended all of our coal uh, supporting no, listeners. We do really well with coal crowd. <laughs> I know, we're alienating our coal crowd. Um, so, uh, you know what, and for the sake of, you guys want to move away from that? Anything else you want to talk about, Paris? Or can we, should we I get mean, off from that for now? We can stretch it out for as long as you like. I'll let somebody else make the decision because I have no self-control. Good. <laughs> all right, well, because I, I don't want it, you know, we... We are tend we tend to be sort of conservative bashing. It seems like on this show sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so I did want to give us a chance to go the other way and talk trash about some liberals who made mistakes in the media this week before uh, before it falls out of favor. Uh, do you guys want to get into Kathy Griffin and Bill Maher for a second before? <laughs> yeah, I can do a bit of that. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So Kathy Griffin got a lot of bad uh, press this earlier this week for a photo where she decapitated uh, holding a decapitated head of Donald Trump. All right. So that's that's number one. Let's move to the other uh, liberal darling, if you will, Bill Maher, who uh, used some racial epitaphs on his show in the under the guise of comedy. Okay, so which of these two uh, supposed bastions of liberal culture uh, made a bigger mistake, uh, and who do you think has a better chance of pulling back from it? Who wants to take the first go? Anybody? I think Kathy Kathy Griffin did. You think she... the, I mean, that was just such poor taste mm-hmm. on her end. No matter how much you don't like Trump or whatever, it, it was just completely poor taste on her end. Mm-hmm. And because she, I think Bill Maher will be fine, and they'll move. They've already moved past. I saw like one headline for him, but one like headline. fifty for her. And um, I think that um, she's not going to recover well from this. Uh, 
I think that's I have a that's fair, and I think that she has more to gain than Bill Maher. Like mm. she's not as relevant. No, because she Mar- was like right? not doing like, well for a while, and all of a sudden she came back again. And I think that comeback for her being on C- doing that stuff with CNN and doing these other things that she's been doing was kind of a comeback for her. Sure. And now that she did this, I think she kind of destroyed it for her. Kevin, I'm gonna come to you for a second before I chime in. So, uh, my answer is the same for both, and it's Bill Maher. What Bill Maher did was was worse and certainly stupider. Yes. Um, but he will also come back quicker because he's got a place to come back to. He's got a forum. Kathy Griffin's been a nobody for a very long time. You know what I mean? Like, she literally, she she tries to make it her thing, and she can't even get that over. It's like some wrestling terminology. She can't get over no matter what no. she does. And, I mean, she tries to say, my life on the D-list, I'm this D-list celebrity. Yeah, she I'm truly is. The I mean, what, what Bill Maher said, like, the fact that he's smug enough to think that he can get away with that, I'm just going to assume that he had a... <laughs> yeah, I don't... I think... <laughs> I don't, man, I don't know. Like, I just... You've got to know better than that. I don't I understand you don't know better. Mm-hmm. But the thing with, with Kathy Griffin is the thing she did was just kind of dumb and not even well thought out. I'm not mad about it. Who's it was just this? dumb. It was the photographer's idea. I think she they asked her to do this or something. Hopefully. Probably wouldn't be surprised. I've yeah. seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, you don't see people get... People weren't getting mad when people were burning images of, like, Barack Obama, but people get mad when you're holding up the decapitation. The boy Ted Nugent hung a mannequin. Yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so... It's not like there's not precedent for this I kind just, of thing. Well, the only people getting mad are the conservatives trying to force it into a thing, and the other people are getting mad at them, and it's, it's the outrage machine. It's a publicity stunt. I think they're all in bed together. Can I, can I ask you a question all about... All the angry news people, like, Kathy true. Griffin's publicist, these right, people are We're going to give all, you all this money, and then you're yeah. just going to disappear. Can I say, what bothers me oh, about we're Bill gonna Maher... We're going to give you this money, and you're going to get more famous from this. Go mm-hmm. ahead. What bothers me about Bill Maher is what I assume bothers like Rush Limbaugh for some Republicans, right? Like... Bill Maher is associated with being, like, a leftist, liberal-type guy. And because I'm sort of left in my views, people are like, oh, you you know, Bill Maher must be, like, your guy. I'm like, eh, not really. Like, I find Bill Maher to be, like, a funny, I suppose, but he wouldn't look at him as, like, a political figure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I feel like, is that the way, like, we feel about, like, Rush Limbaugh? Like, oh, Rush Limbaugh speaks for all these Republicans, but, like... Yo, little, little known, pull back the curtain. You might not know about me. I listen to a lot of conservative talk radio. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I listen to, I've listened to a lot of Limbaugh and Hannity. Mm-hmm. Just because sometimes you're in the car, you want to talk radio, but I don't listen to sports radio, especially if it's, like, calling a game that I don't care about. Sure. Um, and partially just to hear what's being said out there, there's still a fundamental difference, man. Like, the level of detachment from what's actual reality and, and the... Like, ble- like flagrant, almost gleeful dishonesty yeah. from those two guys specifically is, and I mean, you know me, I'm not one to just, you know, jump to my side of one party and be like, this is the way it is, fingers in my ears. I'll give everybody a pretty fair chance sure. to hear out just about anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, those guys are bad. Those guys are bad for the world. And it's a whole different thing. Bill Maher is one of the closest things we have to that, but Bill Maher's not that mm-hmm. either. Yeah. No. That's fair. Uh, yeah, Bill Maher's I, not my guy either. Though. I get the nah. people like, you must love Bill Maher. I'm like, we he's all right some, sometimes. We turned on some of his HBO things the other mm-hmm. day and started watching them. I'm like, I'm, no. Well, as a guy who like talks about religion like, with people casually, because, again, we've talked about it in the show, I like to talk about like theology and stuff like that. And because of my stance about religion, my atheist sort of beliefs, people be like, oh, you, you ever see that Bill Maher movie, Religious? You probably love that movie. I'm like, that's an okay movie. But that just because like I have beliefs like that doesn't mean I think that that's there's... That's just people trying to find a common touch. That's the only thing yeah. they know about it. They're like, oh, yeah, that one thing. Yeah. I know about that yeah. thing. Uh, all right. Do you guys want... I was going to get to the next topic, but I guess we'll move both of them to the second half. We got, we got deep on Kathy Griffin, Bill Maher, and uh, climate change. Yeah. Let's get into this week's interview, actually, though. And I actually was really, really excited to talk to this week's interview. He's a... I'm glad that you guys got a chance to talk, because I've known him for, for a good long time, and mm-hmm. I know that you've never really met him, and I know that you guys would get along pretty well. 
it was shocking how many things we had in common. Yeah, like man. you ever see that even Step Brothers where it's like, do we just become best friends? Yup. Yep. That happened a lot. <laughs> like that happened more often than I would uh, than I would care to admit in this interview. And uh, particularly right at the end during the lightning round, you listeners will hear about a very particular thing he said he was into that made my heart swell. Uh, so let's get into this week's interview with a guy we should have had on a long time ago, our good friend and artist, Tony Thompson. And we'll be back in just a moment. Because it isn't, because there's no cameras here. Like, if we want to yeah, stop so at any point in time, I can just turn it off and we're I just see. like sitting in my living room uh, uh, talking about whatever books or some crap like that. Uh, so, Tony, there's a couple things that I wanted to bring up with you before we get into the actual interview okay. proper. And, and, Tony Thompson, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on the show here, episode 102. Wow. 102. Wow. wow. Sounds weird when I say it still. <laughs> um, uh, Times like that. Uh, you are an interesting case for a guy like me, because I lived in Utica up until about 2007, 2008, uh, and I moved away for a long time, and then I came back about 2015, so it was a big patch of time when I was gone. But your name was actually sort of floating around the circles that I grew up in, in like 2006, 2007, those days, even before I knew who you were, like... Whether it was, and I don't even, and, I, and even then, I don't remember exactly why. Were you playing any bands or anything back then at no, all? Or? No, ma- mainly just art and soccer. Art. Yeah, was you a soccer guy? Yeah, uh, oh. I used to be. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm going to come back around to that yeah, later yeah. on. But, uh, no, my whole life, yeah, five, uh, since I was five years old, pretty much played mm. like four days a week my whole life. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, soccer is That's it? one of the things I thought, I, I thought, you know, if any career choice, I thought I was going to be a soccer player. I just thought it was like, that was the path I was being... Do you have a? It's funny. See, that's crazy to me because I, as a kid, was a baseball guy. Loved playing baseball. uh Didn't like soccer. Oh, okay. Uh, And then it wasn't until I got into my mid twenties that I started watching Premier League soccer. Oh, and now I am absolutely hooked. I watch Premier League every weekend. Do you play now too? I played when I was living in New York. I okay. used to play pickup back in the day, playing in New York, that's, which I I, I loved it, man. I had a lot of friends at the restaurant game back then. Mm-hmm. We were like Ecuadorian dudes, Colombian dudes. I was going to say, yeah, you being in New York, too, I'm sure it was wow, diverse. It was like, so great, dude. Because these guys, you know, you would think that, like, they would bust my chops being, like, uh, gringo barbas, like, bearded white guy. And then, like, uh, <laughs> but, they, you know, but they were also really kind and being, mm-hmm. like, you know, you've never really played much before. Like, they would spend time, like, teach me how to shoot and, like, teach me, like, basic stuff that I never knew. And I, I actually appreciate those dudes a lot soccer it's the world game you know what I mean? uh, yeah 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 and that's one of the reasons why i love it too it just it's one of those games and baseball maybe too but you know you have a little bit more equipment that you need for baseball and a certain yes. number of people you have to have for, for sure. baseball soccer mm. we could go in the backyard and mm. just dribble by each mm. other or pass you know what i mean exactly i think i think about that a lot with like basketball as well like as long as you mm. have a court and a basketball that's all you really need like one people yeah, one person five yeah. people you know 
I would say the, the, the setup for basketball, yeah. too. Good basketball where you see the passing and everyone's on the same page. That's mm. good soccer in my mind. That's how I learned the soccer was, you know, team effort. Total yeah. team effort, you know what I mean? So everyone getting the ball. So What's crazy about soccer, soccer and basketball for me have gone on the up. Their stock is up for me over the last, like, five years. Uh, baseball and American-style football are both on the way down for me. Oh, okay. I don't know. Baseball, I just find really slow. I love the Yankees growing up. We're on a whole sports tangent. I didn't know we were going to get into a sports <laughs> tangent right yeah. off the bat. Uh, so, Tony Thompson, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you're actually, I'm, I feel like you're going to be a very uh, popular guest. I feel like I've heard your name brought up to me a couple times beforehand oh, wow. about people I should interview. And I'm going to tell a quick story very quickly before I get into you because uh, the first time we ever had any interaction, I don't know if you're ever going to remember this, uh, one of the things that I think people may know you for was that uh, you did the paintings on the inside of the bathrooms at the <laughs> Dev, those amazing, big, giant, full wall paintings. And I, w- I always talk about it with Kevin. I, we loved them. I always thought they were the coolest oh, thing. Good. And they're great. Awesome. I, Thank you. We'll get into your design style in just a minute. But, um, but I remember going in there one day and using the gentleman's room, and I noticed that somebody had written on your painting. Like, someone had drawn their name, like, Joe was here. Uh-huh. And then, uh, pardon my French folks, somebody wrote, pointed an arrow and wrote, fuck that guy for drawing on this painting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I took an Instagram picture of it and I was like, yeah, see, that's bullshit. You shouldn't be like drawing on people's art. And you actually responded to me on Instagram. It was the first time we oh, ever had really? any. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. okay. Because somebody uh, drew on your on your artwork and I thought that was crummy. So, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. It, it's, it, I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't happen more. You know mm. I mean? Bathroom walls are notorious mm. for getting art on there. And that's one of the reasons... Besides it being hilariously funny to have a chalkboard in there, too. Mm. You know what I mean? I thought that brought up some ridiculous comments, which were great. You Love the I mean? chalkboard idea in there. That was always <laughs> a good idea. And then being word bubbles. So that, that was a fun project all around. How did you how did you work your way into that project? Were you friendly with Tim at the time? Yeah, yeah. I had just, just, like, we've had mutual friends for a while since I've been in Utica since, like, 2003. So 2003. That's interesting. I'm going to write that down come back to that. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> just meeting people. And um, and then, yeah, I, I would ride my bike by where they were, um, where well, by the dev. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the dev. And, uh, and one of the nights I stopped in and said hi to dev people. And, and he's like, well, we're thinking about painting the bathroom and stuff. Mm. Would you want to do something? And I was like, oh, of course, you know. Can I do whatever I want? Was like my first question, and he's like, "Yeah, absolutely." So that's why it's mm. crazy, like it was. <laughs> well, I, I love it. No, it's great though, and I think that's the funny part about like the way this town works. Sometimes is that's as simple as doing business can be. Sometimes you walk in, you meet somebody, you know who they are, you say, "Hey, let's let's do this," right? And it's it's yeah. just that simple sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a little bit of my journalistic research before you came in, Tony. Oh. Uh, you are initially from, and you can correct me in anything I'm wrong, because I'm going to make some wild guesses. You're initially from Baldwinsville? <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Baldwinsville. I usually say Syracuse, so you so, really did some Baldwinsville, research. Baldwinsville, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baldwinsville. Uh, so yeah, that's near Syracuse. What was the, uh, I don't know much about Baldwinsville. What was that like? How long did you spend in Baldwinsville? Um, my, my um, K through, or what is it? Yeah, K through five, or no, all my se- all, all the way until my senior year. Oh, so you went all the way through high school. Yeah, Geez, interesting. It's difficult to say for a second. No, that's okay. It's all right, <laughs> man. Uh, so, what was like the uh, what was the vibes in Baldwin? I knew nothing about Baldwin. It, it, it's, it's it's grown like uh, in the past. Geez, how old are we? You know, in the past 10, 15, so. 20 years. You know, it's grown, but uh, um, it was kind of smaller when I was there. I don't remember the number of my. Mm. Uh, Graduating class because I'm just terrible at numbers, as you might find out mm-hmm. through other questions. <laughs> <laughs> numbers are an abstract thought to me. I don't know. I'm horrible with years. I'll just guess randomly. I'm like 2037. <laughs> like that hasn't happened yet. 20. 
They're like, that's, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So what were you like at that time? Were you like a, were you a young punker? Were you a jock kid, prep kid, sports guy? Since I played so- since I played soccer like my whole life, that was I was like in the middle of that. Like hmm. I w- knew the the jock guys are people. Um, yeah. And uh, but I I never I like I was kind of felt like an outcast. I wasn't I Even wasn't then, good yeah. at school. Really, um, I struggled with mm-hmm. just you know with math with numbers math. Um, were you reading and... Were you strong in any subjects, though? Like, because a lot of people I know tend know, to be, like, science, math are weak, and English and history will be good, or one or the other. You know, I, I wish I could go back yeah. and find out, because at age, like, 25, nah, maybe, 23, mm-hmm. numbers again, right? Um, I discovered podcasts. Uh. And I was like, and the first podcast I discovered was Radiolab. Radiolab, I love Radiolab. Philosophy oh, and science, God. right? Oh, man, Radiolab. Great show. Blew my mind. I'm like, since when do I like philosophy or science? I thought, <laughs> so my school, the, the unfortunate um, struggles that I had throughout my, my whole school life mm. um, steered me away from kind of knowing that I might have liked science, but mm. I disliked reading so much and yeah. I disliked math so much that those math. things really, like, really just closed the door for me. And I, I, mean, I know that's partially... My fault, or you know, my my thing, but uh, see, I work in the education sector, so I sort of resent this idea that has been perpetrated over the last like 20 30 years. That, like, the only thing we really separate kids by when it comes to schooling really is the fact they were born near each other. There's like tons and tons of research that shows that different children learn and develop at different rates. It's sort of that's why standardized testing is kind of unfair because it's like all right, so we're going to test all these kids at the same exact time on these subjects, but you already know that certain kids aren't going to get this as fast as other kids. So the standardized right. testing really punishes the kids who need either, like, differentiated instruction or a different way to learn. Um, so I don't, I don't see... That doesn't surprise me as much as it might surprise the people because I think that that's, like, a flaw in, like, the modern education system. That's interesting. Yeah. I think about that often, too, because mm, yeah. once I discovered that through podcasts and then audiobooks mm. and all these mm. other formats of getting information... Mm. Um, you might be an auditory learner. You might find yeah, learning yeah. to be more uh, substantial. And then that, that I way. actually liked subjects. Yeah. Like, mm. I read one book. It was Fahrenheit 451. I oh, yeah. Read. <laughs> Classic. I liked it, but <laughs> since it was such a struggle, right. it was also there's a big... Mm thing of displeasure too you know what i mean so i didn't i didn't get it but um i find i like fantasy books when i you know listen yeah, yeah. to the auto table of lord of the rings and the rings guy I'm, yeah you know um the, the book at least yeah. you know what i mean that was phenomenal mm-hmm. and and even like even as far as science goes like i listened to the origin of species yeah by, uh, mm-hmm. charles darwin yes and i don't know if he was was it was it a co-creator i'm not sure I'm not but, sure. I, have to um, I listened to the, to the original version yeah. too, which is like that old English style talking. Mm-hmm. Super hard, but so interesting. <laughs> like, you know, I would have lasted five Ooh. minutes reading that, you know. You Cosmos, are you Cosmos guy? You ever watch Cosmos? I, yeah. I, well, I like, so I didn't, yeah. once again, I didn't like it at the time because yeah, it yeah. felt like school, it yeah. felt like science, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I've gone back and watched that and I like the new one. And mm. it just, yeah, I think about it often. And then it, it brings me down this rabbit hole of, of how. I clearly learned differently, mm, yeah. and I was in some classes that were other kids that were struggling, mm-hmm. and they, some of my close friends were those those kids, and, and I could tell that they learned differently, because even though we were in the same class mm-hmm. trying to get extra help, them learning different than me, and I'm like, man, how many different styles are there, and I've thought deeply about it, and Infinite. I just, 
infinite. I think we could be so much, yeah, as you know, right? We could be so much more successful if Um, we kind of studied that. I'm waiting for someone to truly study that and and take test subjects and experiment, you know. This is going to get off on a a whole other thing. (laughs) Yeah, I do tangents. No, no, it's good. It's fine. But one of the things that I do think is, and I, I don't know how to way to fix this. It's just sort of me yelling into the void, but... You know, technology over the last 10 years has in- increased exponentially in a way that it hasn't in, like... The amount of tech we've seen in the last 10 years is more than it has been in the last 100 years. Right, like, it's right. so much technology so fast. And almost every other facet of our life has struggled to catch up with this advancement. Like, integration of this technology into the regular other parts of our lives, whether it be business or education or, you know, whatever. Right? It's, it's slower going than actually inventing the technology. Like, all these kids have laptops and smartphones and there's computers in all these rooms and smart boards and none of the lesson planning and none of the schooling is tailored to be to be presented in this way it's sort of a yeah, struggle absolutely. we're not totally there i think there's they're there's a change tr- fully advantage i guess of, it's of it's not that they're not it's just that it's it happens so fast you know what i mean the time it just we can't it doesn't mean more time gotcha yeah. what brought you what brought you here in 2003 you said right 2003 um, <laughs> yeah 2003 yeah um I, that was the year i graduated mm-hmm. um so yeah that kind of crossover 2003, 2004. Um, um, I didn't get into the college, which I came from a family and in mm-hmm. and, and Baldwinsville in general. Like The pressure was to, you after school, you go to more schooling. Sure. Like, that's just what you do. That's the only way you can get a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's that was my mindset. Um, so I apply, and I, I found out that I, well, my whole life I found out that I liked art. Mm. But I started to get more serious about it, I guess, and saw some possibilities of it. Mm -hmm. So that was the kind of schooling I was trying to go for. I went to, I went to, I applied for SUNY New Pulse. And that was, I was mainly into ceramics and Mm -hmm. sculpture at that point. And uh, I didn't get in because of grades, my other grades. It plagued plagued me my whole life. (laughs) But it's, I think, I think, you know, who knows the future or what it could have been or whatever, but I think it was a great chance for me mm. to have learned something else i'm a majority i mean I, i'm i'm a full i'm an artist but i'm mainly paint now you know yeah. i don't think i might what it might have been painting and especially in the style had i not gone to there so i so what long story short i uh went to mvcc and i wanted to get out of the house too they had dorms so they were a community college that i could actually leave the home <laughs> i love them i went to mv as well for a while and i think mv uh doesn't quite get enough credit for what it does for people in the area who want a chance to, to earn that degree. Sure, and The availability yeah. that it provides for people. It's a great school, so. Yeah. Now, your art is fascinating, uh, and I'm glad we got into this a little bit here now, because uh, I'm kind of curious, were you always interested in art, even early on? Was it something that was in your life, or did it only start bubbling up as you got into college? I would say early on, but I, I think for the majority of the time early on, mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was a oh, word, art. Art, right, you know? yeah, and of I course. Sure. It was kind of like a, um, I'm going to butcher this, but it's a, <laughs> Ends justifying a means. Is of that course. A way of saying that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, during school, where I'd not be understanding, like it's right. almost like a different language to me, even in first grade, being told to me. So you know, the margins of all the papers they yeah. give you, I just I did something that made me feel good, and that was to draw any old thing that was in my mind, you know, mm. or attempt to, you know what I mean. Mm. So um, <laughs> I kept a lot of those papers, and you know, every paper I've ever had, every homework assignment I've ever had had drawings, you know, yeah. that was to <laughs> my notebooks are <laughs> make me feel better, you <laughs> yeah, know what exactly. I mean? And um, so I, I would say that's where it started and mm-hmm. and then at some point some friends of families that were artists and some art mm-hmm. teachers 
gave me made me feel good um, about you know prom, um, sure give me you know compliments or something like that confidence feel, sure yeah, yeah. made me feel good enough to pursue it more and then kind of under then also you know examine it more and try mm-hmm. to figure out what it was and well a lot of the work that I've seen you do particularly um, has been the large scale murals you've done you did some in Franklin Square film series you've done them at Downtown Get Down before you do them all over the place outside of the stuff you've done in Utica too like I think you were were you doing something today before I saw you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, a nursery a nursery yeah. uh, now what would you this is the part that I was the most curious about asking you because I am my okay so my interest in art growing up was I loved Bob Ross right like oh. I like watching Bob Ross on TV and I had a girlfriend in like high school and college who was like a fine arts major so I got into art to like have conversations with her basically and I sort of got into like certain types of art over the years but I didn't quite know what you would refer to your art style as because when I watched you do some art I guess it's almost I, I I'm not trying to shit on the word graffiti art I think it's very nuanced but I don't know if necessarily what you do is necessarily graffiti art necessarily like, what would you call your I would style? agree to that 100% yeah. yeah I often get grouped into a yeah. graffiti art thing um I don't know what to call it though. Yeah. That's, that's probably the other problem mm-hmm. is I don't sure. address it um and it's not that I don't address it, but I don't, I don't yeah. know what to call it. You don't um, have to in art. For, for, I, yeah, maybe not. I heard <laughs> yeah. someone say, though, um, someone who I really respected, and mm. I thought my style was similar to his, so I, it was a trick mm. question. I'm like, what? Well, you know, what kind of style is yours? And he said, "Low." maybe one would call it lowbrow. Lowbrow? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I think that upon a little bit of research, I think that's more of a, like mm. a... An LA term, you sure. know, those those graffiti artists that went into doing mm. gallery stuff. Yeah. Um, they kind of poked fun at traditional styles, and mm. I think that's why they call it lowbrow. But I could be wrong. I, there may be a whole totally different history to that name, but uh, well, that's what I might say. Well, doing the New York City thing, uh, I came into contact with a lot of like Keith Haring stuff. Keith Haring is very big in New York, oh, sure. and and I will say that your style, to a certain extent, not not so straightforwardly, but there is a little bit of that Keith Haring sort of roundness and shape to your work, which I find very fascinating. And I was kind of curious, that, like, are there particular artists or people that you find inspiration in that you look around to? Oh, so many, so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first, but and this is what brings us back to graffiti, yeah. though. Um, the first. First set of artists who I who I've just recently met, um, <laughs> but I've been following for years were graffiti artists. They were the first set of mm. artists that that got me so inspired that I'm like, wait a second, I think I'm, yeah. I think I need to do this. You mm. know, I think I really really need to do this. And it was on um, bus rides to school. Sure. Um, and it was around my area, around Syracuse, mm. and um, come later later I would try to emerge into the scene by practicing graffiti and, and doing mm. it and participating. Um, the graffiti scene, once you know, I got more involved, um, the graffiti scene in Syracuse is just, I mean, I'm, I might have some Syracuse pride or mm. something, but I think it's phenomenal. It's, mm. it's, it's, there's, there's some crews over there that are just, just blow my mind and, and yeah, like I said, maybe I'm biased, mm. but. Did you ever get hassled? I feel like graffiti is kind of a thing where you're, people are going to hassle you, particularly like the law enforcement types. Yeah, like, I never, yeah. so I never got hassled. Um, being that I was in sports, I knew that I could outrun yeah. any cop ever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's fair all right i like it. <laughs> so i wasn't too worried about that um really what i was worried about was um trying to be as good yeah. and respected by the other graffiti artists you know it's kind of a and i'm not saying syracuse is like this necessarily or i, mean, I think everywhere is like this to a certain extent yeah. but you know to to paint on the same wall as uh this one guy or girl mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really, really want to be able to stand next to him, you know, in that, in that setting. So, um, 
that's uh that's might have been where I got hassled with a little bit, you know, on social media or something like that. But I, I never was good, as good as these guys, and I kind of pigeonholed myself into a style that I thought I had to do to to become as as good as these guys. I have to ask you this one, and this is basically like something my mom would ask. I once was like, "Oh, you do art? Do you know who Banksy is? Did you like? <laughs> did you look at Banksy? Were you ever like into Banksy stuff at all? Did you do like exit through the gift shop or any of that stuff?" I did. Yeah. I I think um I think it I think that was an art piece in itself though. The I movie, think, the film. Yeah. I think it was a, yes. a lie. A it was hundred percent yeah, right? to to joke about Good. the art Good. scene. That mm. is silly, but mm. yeah, I think that was his. <laughs> that was that's an art. I I don't think. It might be based around some truth because obviously there's some real artists in there, but I think Mr. Brainwash, right? Yeah, yeah. Fictional character, totally fictional character. In my in my opinion. Let me ask you this, uh, and this is just I'm curious. I have no idea. Uh, do you care at all in any way, shape, or form about like classical style art, like Picasso's and like oil paintings and Gesso and stuff like that? Care is a weird, weird way to put it. Uh, yeah, I don't, okay, know, yeah. I don't know how to answer that. Do you um, find, okay, maybe yeah, I, mean, I phrase that probably. Do you? <laughs> Is that the type of art you would ever see yourself type of doing, or do you prefer to do the more like freestyle, like multimedia almost, or, or um, like mixed media style stuff that you sort of do? I guess. I don't. I guess I don't necessarily see myself yeah. doing it, but definitely influenced by it. I'm sure. still a very ignorant artist. I have not done um, mm-hmm. much in art history. Right. And That's kind of. I guess what I. Yeah. yeah. I haven't done much in in my own kind mm-hmm. of researching of artists. Um, so that that is another thing I've thought about a lot, and I wonder if that hindered me or if that was kind of a, an okay thing because I feel okay like you, though, there's, a, there's a chance you can get too swayed, you know, too into a certain style, and then a lot it kind of, of predicts what you do. With art and things. music, though, and I was a music guy, so I just wrap everything back around to music, um, but art and music in that way, I feel like inspiration can come from almost anything. Mm. Like, you write a song sometimes about, like, you looked at a book cover and you go, oh. Right, like I feel like art, like inspiration for art, can happen without looking for it. It sure, just happened, sure. yeah. Yeah, uh, that's my not a good. Uh, yeah, I mean, some not some people might have formulas, but I agree mm. with you. I think it, mm. you know, in this right mm. state of mind, it could come from anything. Yeah. Now, Tony, you were uh, we were going to come over yesterday initially, uh, and we pushed it back because you got some tattoo work done. And I appreciate you coming <laughs> in like one day after tattoo work. Sure, sure. Yeah. You have a pretty good looking uh, color sleeve there. Very impressive. Oh, this, thank you. This is a segment we refer to as bad radio on the podcast because I'm talking about a tattoo that I'm looking at. That <laughs> they no don't really They exist, can't see it. No, they have no yeah. idea. Uh, when did you start getting tattoo work? Um, God, 17 or 18. 17, oh, okay. Early, first yeah. tattoo, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, okay, so I'm going to ask you because you seem like the kind of guy who might be able to answer this question for me. I have some tattoo work. I'm getting a little itchy for a tattoo. Oh, sure. Cool. Right. And I have two potential things that I want to, uh, that I want to get. Are you familiar with regular Nintendo? I think you are. Yeah. All right, I want to get a Metroid. That's number one. Oh, all right. So eight bit style and everything. No, no, no. no. I, want, I have a specific rendered, yeah, rendered, yeah, Metroid. Okay. And then there's also, I noticed on your Facebook page, when I was doing research, that you held up a trading card with a picture of the comic book, the obscure comic book character Ego, the Living Planet. I'm a huge <laughs> Jack Kirby guy. That's my sister's card. She, Is that... stole, she stole it from me. She knows she stole it from me. I'm a big Ego, the Living Planet guy. So if I'm only going one, am I going Ego, the Living Planet, or Metroid character? If I'm oh. getting one to finish out my space tattoo. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe it's so close. Maybe it'll depend on the artist how good they they render it. You know, you a comics guy. You big? Um, did you grow up comic books at all? Once or? again, strange. Yes, I am, but I didn't read much of didn't them. Read much of them. I yep. I followed the art mm-hmm. and and 
then made my own comics out of the drawings. Yeah. So I collected comic books, but I, I didn't collect whole series because I you know, wasn't reading much of them. Once we just again, talked about this weird. a few weeks ago. How I, when I was a kid, I made comics and I had my own characters. Do you have any characters you made that you remember? Can you give us one? Sure, yeah. yeah give me one. They were um, mashups mainly. Um, <laughs> no mashup characters, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so right. I wasn't very original. <laughs> no, that's thing, okay. But a lot of times, I think, I, when, when I was much younger, my two favorite like were Wolverine and the Hulk. Yes. Um, I love okay. the idea of how Bruce Banner was so smart. He was a scientist in the, mm. in the comic books. And, uh, but yeah, this bulking mass of, yeah, yeah, of incredible strength, mm. you know? So, like, the best of both worlds. I always like that. But then Wolverine was just cool. He had claws coming out and stuff, you know? Even, he was at, a even when we were young, you know, he, he wasn't even marketed well, like he is now. But I think, was, no, no, no. He, well, here's the thing, though. You grew up, I'm going to age you probably around the same age as me ish. Wolverine was very, like, 90s. Like, he was cool in an era when we were supposed to think he was cool. It was was like, he? I don't, yes. yes. I'm not sure. I don't that, know. Marketing like, was different back then, but, like, come on. He had, like, the spiky gear. The sure. It was very 90s when you look at, like, I'm not complaining, mind you. Like, I think Wolverine is the dopest. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, we fell for the 90s, the 90s aesthetic, I feel like. Yeah. Did you go see Logan? I did. I did. did I you like it? Was, yeah, it was phenomenal. I, I like... I tend to like the realistic, um, slightly darker movies. I know some people say there's enough of that. You know, X-Men isn't dark and blah, blah, But I like to imagine movies, especially fictional yeah. movies, um, um, if I can imagine them in real time. Yes. You know, like actually happening. For sure. Now, uh, before we get into lightning round questions, I just want to say, like, you, I would consider you, I don't want to use the word freelance if that's offensive, although I take that to be a great term. Would you say you're like a freelance artist? He says, where can people go to get uh, to find you and your art in your art these days? Um, mainly word of mouth. I've been word working mouth, on yeah. a website for like ten years. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I know how that goes. <laughs> Computers are so difficult for me. Um, um, but I've luckily documented like all my art, so I have the photos. I just need to get them on my mm-hmm. website someday. All right, um, word. But as far as getting a hold of me, um, Facebook, Instagram is where right. I usually like word of mouth. Facebook, word. Instagram. I I'm not. I'm not as of now interested in really like sure. expanding to that's fair showing trying to show in California or New York City that's I'm, fair I just like what I do here and that's dope um, man and glad that people like it you know if yeah. they do so cool. yeah just so Facebook and Instagram cool um, email me whatever see dope. me outside <laughs> see me outside anyway just take a stop by alright Tony let's get into these lightning round questions these are the same uh, six or so questions uh, that we ask everybody who's been on the show before uh, right multiple, multiple choice right uh, no they're just sort of, yeah, yeah, right. uh, so let's start off with this one um, uh, and this is a longer form one uh, if you could have dinner with anybody living or dead who is not your family who would it be and why oh my dinner yeah Quick dinner. Um, um, um. <laughs> Can't think. Basquiat. How about that? Basquiat. Um, all right. So Basquiat. Yeah. Although you probably wouldn't have eaten the dinner, would you? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Uh, all right. So when you wake up in the morning, in the morning, Tony Thompson, how do you take your coffee? Black is my soul. Black. <laughs> That's what my English teacher used to say. So I take it black, but I don't know about my soul. <laughs> uh, all right. What was your first automobile? Uh, a, a black and gray neon, Pontiac neon. No, Pontiac, or Dodge neon. Dodge neon? Well, weren't they both at there's one a, point? There's a Dodge the neon. neons. All right, so it was the Dodge neon, and then it was the Plymouth something. I know what you're talking about. I you know, know what you're talking okay. about. Okay, yeah, so it was, it was a really early on neon. I had a neon for a while. It was, uh... 
It was all right. It survived. <laughs> I, you know, I, for a first car, I really liked it, especially in upstate New York. Where oh, yeah. It's all snowy and it didn't cost much, you know, so. Upstate New York <laughs> is tough. I actually like older cars up here because they tend to be made of metal still and they're very heavy and they tend to be better in the snow. A lot of the newer plastic cars just sort of right, slide around right. on top of the snow. Well, that neon was, was definitely light and I, I, once you drove it enough times, you kind of could gauge how like much slant. you could slide around everything. <laughs> you may or may not. like, yeah. um, um, what was it? Mario Kart. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. And go-kart. Yeah, it is a little go-kart. <laughs> uh, you may or may not have taken uh, your Neon to go see it, but what was your first live concert? Oh, my father brought me to see, um, there was a bunch of bands. I think it was a K-Rock, the first K-Rock. K-Rock-a-thon. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. like... Nonpoint and Boy Hits Car. Yeah. Those are the two bands I've heard. Boy Hits Car. Cogboy Mouth, I think, or something like oh, that. There were some weird, obscure ones. Cogmouth Kings, probably. <laughs> uh, I don't think they were. No, no, I don't think they were. I'm thinking of later <laughs> K-Rockathons, I guess. Um, all right, so give me, uh, give me one book, one album, one movie, or one television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. <laughs> I, um, I'm, for the first time, which is really weird, I, I don't know, um, I'm watching Twin Peaks. And oh, it's a. Tony. I'm, I'm watching it for my friend because uh, he said it's like the master of all shows, and and <laughs> understanding that there was nothing like that before, oh, I'm I'm kind of understanding it. Uh, you just melted my heart. I'm a big, really? I, I'm big I, fan. I was a big fan of the. 1992, 93 Twin Peaks. So this is... That's why I'm watching. This is like, this new series, this is like, for me, I'm so happy. This is like, good, good job. Good job. Is you it have weird? Any advice for someone watching who didn't watch it back then and yes, is watching yes. it now? Yes, I'll give you some advice. Uh, I do think uh, you have to take it for what it is and remember that it. Remember that when you're watching it, that when it first aired, it was airing opposite like Cheers in right. 1992. In that kind of like in right? that kind of era with what people were watching on television. Right. And then you watch this David Lynch directed, almost art house television show that's both weirdly funny and darkly violent and sometimes horrifying and sometimes emotionally draining um the first season is is almost perfect i think first couple se- episodes of the second season are great mm-hmm. once they quote unquote solve the mystery the show takes an eight episode downturn where it gets almost unwatchably bad <laughs> and then for the last couple episodes it gets better mm-hmm. And I love all of it, even the trash. So you have to just know that that's the arc that's coming for you. Prepare to sit through some trash in the middle okay, of the second right, season. Right. It's Should I great. go to the movie after? Right, there's a movie that's in between the. The third movie season. is weirder. You ever you ever watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force when you were a kid? Yeah. All right. Did you ever see the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie? I think so. I must right. have. Yeah. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is a weird show. Yeah. But the movie was a thousand times weirder than the show ever was. I think of the same thing about Twin Peaks. The movie almost seems like something else on its own merit. Um, All right, so I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, You are the world wrestling heavyweight champion. You are are walking down to the ring with your championship title above your head. Uh, The crowd is chanting your name, Tony, Tony. And uh, there's a theme song playing in the background. What is the theme song that's blasting behind you as you make your way down to the ring? Oh, my uncle. I've never actually heard the song. My uncle would always say it when I would go to Missouri to visit him. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. Tony, it's Tony, a Tony. song by Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Never heard it, but apparently the the chorus is Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. All right, I'm going to have to do some research and find it for you <laughs> on the way out. Um, and Tony, besides uh, being a part of the community, being part of the artistic scene, uh, besides uh, just being a good human being and giving that art to the world and giving the creativity out there, what's one more thing that you, Tony Thompson, are passionate about? Oh, uh, 
music, hip hop. Hip hop, really? I guess all sorts of music, but recently mm. hip hop, yeah. What's your What's your hip hop? Uh, what's in your car right now? What are you? Or, what, what, what I like, you I like the, the obscure stuff. So like, um, I've been listening to a lot of the Doom Tree Collective. Mm, Doom Tree, yeah. interesting. There's several artists in there mm. that all do separate things, but they come together for that collective. Is it somehow related to MF Doom? I'm an MF Doom guy. No, but I would okay. say they're in that genre. Interesting. You know, where it's not like okay. gangster rap and it's not right, like, right, you know, or whatever's happening down the radio now. I don't, I don't like mainstream rap. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Tony, it's a real pleasure to finally get you on the show. Uh, I, I've been thinking about getting you on for a long time, and I'm glad we actually got to sit down and talk about this. Uh, thanks for being part of the Franklin Square Film Series for our big event there, and Definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing all the work you do in the future. Yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot, brother. Just had an awkward uh, Donald that's... Trump handshake. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I have the best handshakes. My handshakes are the best. Uh, we'll be back to the show. <laughs> phenomenal handshake. Phenomenal handshake. Uh, back to the show in just a moment. Tony Thompson, um, he's he's a he's a really fascinating guy to talk to. Genuinely one of the kindest souls walking around. Yeah, great guy. Genuinely. Great, great guy. Um, so, uh, I feel like you would. I probably Did you meet him at the, he was at the Franklin Square Film Series. He did the big mural painting of the, the, the bomb for oh, Mario. Yeah, yeah it's Tony. Yeah, yeah. He was nice. Yeah, he's he a great guy. He was really nice. Yeah. It's still there, I think. Hey, I just want to ask you, Heather, real quickly, because um, I'm going to bring up one thing. Do you have, like, a Sunday night television show? Do you and, like, Zach have a show you guys watch on Sunday well, night? Well, we don't have um, cable. We just have Apple TV. Oh, okay. So well, you got an Apple TV whatever, show? Or? Whatever, um, on Sunday night. We usually watch Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. Um, on HBO, so that's usually a show right. we try to catch up on, hmm. and um, so that's the one show we have that one. Well, I want—I just wanted to ask that really quickly. I'm a big Twin Peaks guy. Episode oh, 5 geez. was last night. That was on last <laughs> night. It was pretty good. But the reason I'm bringing this up is for Kevin, actually, because I want to say it was last night the last episode of The Leftovers. It was indeed. You're oh, a big... I can't watch it. You can't watch I it? I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never really seen the show, but I saw a lot of write-ups today about people really loving the way the show ended and really talking a lot about a show I've never watched before. You're a big guy who loves Leftovers. You want to sell Leftovers to people? Yeah, dude. It's the best. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I just I, I've heard a lot of great like, think seen, pieces today about it. You can ask me next week because I haven't gotten a chance to see the finale yet. Mm, okay. I, didn't, I obviously didn't watch it last night when it was on, and I've been at work since it's been available. Um, to you know, once like once it hits the sure, definitely not the streaming sites or you know anything like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to watch it, and I probably won't get a chance to catch it now until maybe Wednesday yeah I maybe you. Wednesday maybe late Tuesday probably not late Tuesday night some point sometimes maybe Tuesday ask me next week and I'll tell you all about it but The Leftovers is great everybody should catch up and there's not that many episodes to get There's I think there's like 28 for the whole series mm. it's pretty short yeah, and it's well it. worth it some of the most impressive stuff I've ever seen anybody do on TV mm. ever 
nice to have a Sunday night show. Oh, I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, like, it's weird to have a show That's on Sunday night cable tonight. Sometimes I don't have cable. Day. I still got my Sunday yes. night show. <laughs> uh, so before we get into this week's history lessons and you guys audibly groan, Kev, did you want to talk a little bit about uh, New York State yeah. uh, Craft Brewer Festival? Uh sure. Yeah. We uh, we're doing the New York State Craft Brewers Festival at the brewery on Saturday, and nice. it's gonna be awesome. We've got thirty five different breweries coming from all over New York State. Like if you can name a brewery in this state. They're probably coming, and everybody brings like a bunch of special beers, and like the brewers are there, like mm. brewers and owners, and you know, so it's a really cool event for the beer industry in this state, and it's cool for people to come out to. It's uh, it's from like four to eight. We've got the old main playing, which is going to be cool. Those guys do a great oh. job, but it's a really awesome chance. So with like with your ticket price, you get a free like five ounce glass that you keep, and you can walk around and get unlimited three ounce samples of every different beer that all the different brewers bring. Oh, nice. Can you order your ticket ahead of time? Or yeah, you, you, can, you can get tickets ahead of time. You can get them day of. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, it's going to be really cool, and I hope a lot of people come out because last year was my first time with it, and there was a great turnout. But I was shocked at how cool it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be as much fun as it was. Now, even though like it's a work event and it's something that happens, it's one of the ones that I look forward to all year round because it's really nice to talk to all the different breweries and different people and people in the beer industry. Everybody's super friendly. So. Um, Come. Yeah, that's you got vacation dope. days. I got yeah, vacation days, baby. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into this week's history lessons. And sadly, this week, again, they are not in order. So uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, on this day in 1944, uh, it was D-Day, as it is called colloquially. Uh, do you guys know what the actual name of the operation for D-Day, the landing of uh, troops in Normandy, was? Here's your history question um, of the day. I do, and I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad because I can't remember. Was it Operation Overlord? Operation Overlord. Boom. There you go. Operation Overlord. I would have been really mad. I kept thinking of Operation Barbarossa, the one where they wanted to kill Hitler, but I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> you know what? But I, I was thinking about Barbarossa the pirate. <laughs> well, Pirates of the Caribbean didn't come out again this week. The fifth again, will not again. stop. <laughs> will not die. Um, what's funny, actually, about Operation Overlord is I had a student... Me and the student got in, like, an argument about this. I was like, I think it's Overload. They're like, no, it's Overlord. I'm like, nope, it's Overload. And I was like, I am totally wrong. Sorry about that, kid. (laughs) I have a degree, mind you. I'm wrong, by the way. Uh, So, yeah, even even teachers can be wrong. Uh, The only thing I want to talk about uh, this is, you know, D-Day has famously been uh, presented on screen in both, like, Saving Private Ryan and uh, Band of Brothers, historically, I think, of, like, the two I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. My grandfather, who's a veteran, I remember watching Saving Private Ryan with my grandfather not too long after it came out and it was I've never seen this before he actually he couldn't watch it he stopped like watching that the movie that was a big news story when that movie came out a lot yeah. of people were saying that yeah it was just too That's much okay. for him he, he felt like too real. real yeah too real mm, crazy mm. alright let's move on to something a little bit lighter on this day in 1971 it was the last showing of the Ed Sullivan show you guys remember the Ed Sullivan show at all? Probably not, right? Like, we were too young for this. No. I know of the Ed Sullivan Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. I've never watched it, though, or watched old episodes. My mom talked about it a lot. Like, she remembered it being, like, a really just huge mm-hmm. cultural touch point. I don't know. Like, what's the equivalent for us now? Like, Saturday Nothing. Night Live? Nothing. I feel like Nothing's sat- the same. They had three channels back then. Three channels. And that was it. They had three channels and they had the woods. Mm. And whatever books were in the house. <laughs> like, and that's it. <laughs> It's never good. You're never going to unite the culture in that exact same way again, where every single person who grew up in every part of America had the exact same experience watching the same thing at the same time. Mm, Those days fair. are over. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so here's some, just a short list of some of the bands who made their big American debuts or showcases. Some of their big sh- showcases on the Ed Sullivan Show are uh, The Beatles, Elvis Presley, Rolling Stones, The Supremes, The Doors, Mamas and the Papas, Janis Joplin, the list goes on and on. 
Uh, and also in this day in 1933, the first drive-in movie theater opened in Camden, New Jersey at Crescent Boulevard. Uh, I, I actually, lo- I know I love drive-in I love movie theaters. It. Tie it all together. I saw a crazy drive-in movie theater this weekend that didn't look open. Turns out it was, and it was playing the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Wow. <laughs> out in the middle of like, on like Brantingham Road, out near Brantingham Lake. It's just this thing in a field, it's called the Valley Brook Drive-In. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, they call it the Valley Brook, I don't trust it. But, uh, and it's this big, like, sort of overgrown screen on the back, but the front is painted, and I noticed the sign that said, like, Pirates 5 and Alien Covenant. Yeah. Yeah. So it's playing, like, real movies. You know, I loved... My dad was a big proponent of, like, driving movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't... Yeah, I remember we went to go see... I'm trying to think. The I Mask. Okay. With Jim Carrey. Do you remember that one I that came out? Ninja Turtles. I don't yes. think I've ever been to a drive uh, Tremors. Yo, Tremors is an underrated movie. <laughs> underrated movie. Kevin Bacon, what a legend. Um, so I remember the the big, mo- my last moment of driving movie theaters, I remember I was in the St. Lawrence for like Pirates Weekend or Alexandria Bay up there, whatever it was, like that place, right? And I was there with my dad and my dad's friend, and my dad's friend had some kids my own age, right? So we all took this van and we went to the drive-in movie theater and we went to go see American Pie 2, Right? Remember American Pie 2? Because mm-hmm. uh, it starts with that Blink-182 song. Mm-hmm. Every time I look yep. for you, the sun goes down. Blink-182. Mm-hmm. They got that sick Bronco with no top on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I remember that being like, I was like, yo, this is awesome. Like, just watch in the back of this van, eating snacks, uh, drinking beers, sneaking them when no one was looking, watching Blink-182 music over American Pie movie with all these people I barely knew. Good times. Driving movies, man. Yeah. Kids are this is ruined. Kids are ruined today. I know. We used to put like a blanket out too and mm. send along they have like a little radio with you and at the Rome, I think the Rome mm. drive in. Uh, so speaking of Blink 182, they tie into a list that I found earlier this week, although they're not on the list. Uh, but I'm a big I'm a big band guy. I love uh, I love being in bands, I love talking about music and Blink 182 is broken up at least what, three times, Gav? We're big Blink 182. Yeah, a couple guys. times. <laughs> couple two, three. Uh, they did not make the Rolling Stone list of 10 messiest band breakups of all time. Although, for any Blink-182 people out there, like me and Kevin, and were you a Blink-182 person? When I was in high school. When you were in high school? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the Mark side. I think Mark and Tom, uh, or Mark and Travis. Tom's the one who's the jerk. That's my, that's my consensus pick for all you Blink-182 people out there. Um, so I was going to go through this list of the 10 messiest band breakups, see if any of these resonate with you guys. You ready for this? Yes, 100%. I love music stuff. Bands. Bands. Uh, All right, so 10 messiest band breakups. uh, Guns N' Roses. You guys Guns N' Roses fans at all? I find Guns N' Roses to be a bit overrated. Overrated? I don't know. I just never really... I I feel like Guns N' Roses was like a time and place band. Yeah, back. Very much so, I think. Guns N' Roses is a little overrated. I can't think of a Guns N' Roses song that I'd be absolutely heartbroken if I never never heard again. Um, They're all fine. First 15 seconds of Welcome to the Jungle are pretty tight. <laughs> that guitar riff comes in. So, we were like first verse and chorus, but then it goes on a lot. So according to Slash and Duff McKagan, which I can't believe that those are those are probably not their real names, I would I'm imagine. I'm sure that Slash is not the gentleman. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm sure that Slash is uh, not the gentleman's real name. Axel Rose. I think his real name's actually Saul. Saul. I'm not kidding. Yeah, hey. look it up. His name's Saul. Here. I saw uh, this. I want to say like Saul Bellows. Yeah. Uh, Axl Rose apparently refused to go on stage until uh, the band had signed away rights to the band's name, uh, although he refutes this, which is kind of a power move. It's like, I'm not going out there until you give me the name. I'm like, that's a that's a power move. What are you going to do? Of course, he didn't do anything with it. Here's one. Do you guys remember the Everly Brothers? Mm-mm. I only know the name the Everly Brothers, right? I've heard the name, but I don't think I so they were an old time, they were brothers, they were real brothers, and they, uh, much like Oasis, who we're going to talk about in a minute, they could not get along very well. 
Um, okay, so this all came to a head when Don, one of the Everly brothers, showed up drunk to a show in 1973. He kept screwing up the lyrics until Phil, the other brother, got so frustrated he smashed his guitar over Don's head on stage and stormed out. Uh, they patched up briefly but then broke up again and have not spoken to each other since 2005. <laughs> Maybe brothers shouldn't have a band. I've then. just formulated a new Guns N' Roses conspiracy theory in my head that I will tell you about later. Oh, uh, from that? <laughs> from the thing we talked about okay. just before, yeah. Okay. Uh, Oasis was the next one. Oasis, like, I they like were, them for those that two. Did, did you see them in the news? You should like them now. Oasis is underrated. Yes. Underrated, underrated now, yeah, for sure. Those first two, uh, be here now. Definitely, maybe not be here now. Definitely, maybe. And what's the story? Morning Glory are almost well, unimpeachable. Yeah, great yeah, great um, yeah, they're in the news right now because yes. they're fighting about the one they're fighting Manchester about concert. the well because they want they're from Manchester and you know Manchester yeah, had that yeah. terror attack so they're doing like a this big Manchester concert and Liam Gallagher is like yelling at his brother because his brother won't come oh, like, he won't come and he keeps him. calling him a po- like a potato yeah which is the funniest thing I've ever heard he's like yeah the sad potato won't come he's <laughs> probably too busy like doing cocaine in America. People are just like, geez, dude, really? Did Still? you watch any of that live too? That was pretty. Uh, I was got a, I earmarked a bunch of stuff on YouTube to look next time I go looking. It was to crazy watch, when people I didn't donating. see any of it live. So the police were on here on the list, although I don't know if this is a messy breakup. It's just that Sting was the dude, and he just wanted to be the dude. No, Sting's an asshole. Is that what? He ruined that band. <laughs> well, he Sting uh, Sting got too in his own head about how stingy he was, and it turned out to not be the case. Mm. Well, my opinion, at least. to be fair, he's the one who's got the money now, right? He's the most famous one still, so he won. I'm sure those other two aren't yeah. broke. I mean, he won, but he's still sting. He's insufferable. Have you ever heard the guy talk? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's um, exhausting. <laughs> all right, so um, The Clash was another one. This is more traditional. The Clash was simply just the guys didn't want to do the same thing. Uh, guitarist Mick Jones became enamored with hip-hop. Bass player Paul Simon started getting into reggae, and Joe Strummer just wanted to play punk rock. So that's that's pretty straightforward. That sounds know. like the Clash. It <laughs> sounds like they're clashing. Uh, and the Smashing Pumpkins, it was just Billy Corgan is the guy. Is insane. I love Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, dude. I loved them. Yeah. I actually I like Smashing Pumpkins more now as I get older than yeah. I did when I was younger, which is not true of a lot of like the nineties rock I, music. Yeah, Smashing yeah, Pumpkins. Some of the stuff I listen to, I'm like, how did I listen to that? Smashing Pumpkins is a Hall of Fame all time great band name that doesn't get enough yes. credit. Smashing Pumpkins is a really cool band name, <laughs> especially Cor- if you're gonna play creepy Halloween music. <laughs> I'm Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. I'm Homer Simpson, smiling politely. There we go again. Uh, and last but not least, how about Rage Against the Machine? What a I shame. Like what a shame. I love I Rage Against them. the Machine is one of the, is probably the wildest concert experience I've ever had in my life is Rage Against the Machine. Not even that close to the front, but it was just a sea of people. I saw them like 80,000 people and it was, I wish they could get back together and I would pay, one of those few bands, I'd pay almost anything to go see. The world. Did line for seven hours? <laughs> so would, you, would you stay in the line for seven, seven hours, hours for Rage Against the Machine? No, I'd pay a little bit extra on Snowball. <laughs> I would say, I would say that the world has never needed Rage Against the Machine more than they need them right now. Right? Oh, everybody's gone. <laughs> They're Rage all is gone. Public John Stewart's gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> all of our heroes have left us now in our time of need. Mm. So, guys, I want to talk to you about uh, a segment. Let's move away from music for just a moment. I want to talk about a segment uh, that we haven't done in a while. It's uh, Sam's weird interactions with the world. Okay, uh, this happened a lot more in my. I was having car trouble, <laughs> but it hasn't happened as much lately. Uh, but this week, something fascinating happened to me. Uh, earlier this week, uh, my cell phone, my iPhone six, which I've had for a long time, uh, broke down for reasons beyond uh, beyond description. I brought it to numerous people to look at it. I brought it to outsourced Apple repair people who were very nice, who told me I don't know how to fix this. I brought it to actual Verizon dealers, said we don't know how to fix this. Uh, 
So I had to get a new phone. Now, because of circumstances, I was waiting for a check to clear. So I couldn't go buy a new phone until this check cleared. So from about Wednesday until about Saturday morning, I was off the grid. For, it was for oh, three. It must have been so tight. I was off the grid this weekend. It was amazing. Yo, off the grid is the life. Awesome. You don't exist. Oh. It's the life. Oh my god, it was so peaceful. I read. I read a book. I finished a book. Uh, I played bass guitar. Um, I just sat in the silence for a while. That's how it is at our camp. We have no cell phone yeah. service up there. Oh so my when god. We go there for the weekend. It's really nice. It's the way to go. It was really, and it was really funny because I always think about it. Sometimes I'm so connected to my phone with work. And also, because work is a big part of it. Like, I use my phone a lot at work. And, uh, you know, it's a big part of my life. Outside of work with the podcasting stuff, I'm usually using multiple screen tech when I'm getting ready for the show. So, you know, not to sound too fancy pants. Uh, But, you know, I really did think to myself, like, what am I going to do without this phone? Like, how am I going to get contact with anybody? And it was crazy how quickly I slipped back into, like, oh, yeah, I barely forgot. Oh, wait, who do I have to call? Who do I have to call? (laughs) Who do I need to contact? uh, It was wild how quickly I slipped back into it. So it was really nice. Um, But I did have to suffer back into the realities and get a new phone because I can't can't live without a phone for forever at this point in time in my life. So I did cave in and go to Verizon this week and get a new cell phone. And it's pretty. It's red. It is a pretty red iPhone 7. I very much enjoy it. Little Red Corvette. That's the song I think of when I saw it. Remember that one? It's a good one. Uh, but I had an interesting time at the at the Verizon store, right? Because, and I, I think maybe you guys can commiserate with me, I didn't want to get a new phone because I'm doing the same thing that I'm sure a lot of Americans are doing right now. They're waiting for the new iPhone 8 to come out before they get a new phone. Right. Right? Uh, I've sort of talked myself out of it in hindsight. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm glad mm-hmm. that I got the 7 because... At least I know what I have now. Like, yeah. I already know all the things about it. I don't have to worry about, like, getting some crazy surprise thrown at me. What was weird is the guy at the store kind of talked me out of getting a Samsung S8. I thought that was weird. And you're a Samsung guy. Yes. He's so probably an Apple guy. He's going off his, what he likes. Yeah, maybe that yeah, is it. Like, like, I mean, I would always, when I sold telephones, first, I would always put people towards whatever I like. Yeah, well, my first question would be, what's the commission structure? Uh, because there is one. You know what I mean? So, like, what do you... Right. Which one is better for you to sell for your sales goals or sure. whatever? But I mean, a lot of listen. I, I have the conversation all the time. A lot of people are dyed in the wool. iPhone people will be for life. I've had an iPhone. Mm. It was a, it was a very nice piece of machinery. Like iPhones aren't crap. You know what I right. mean? Like nobody's arguing that they're crap. For me specifically, there's a couple deal breakers with the iPhone sure. that just will make me never go back. I've never had a reason. I find my having had both. I find the experience smoother mm-hmm. to have the Samsung. Sure. Phone. So. Uh, well, because well, I, I went in there with this mentality, like, I might get something different. Like, I have nothing really holding me back from not getting something totally different. So I almost bought a Google phone, which was kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Google phone apparently is, the guy told me, it's crap for the first three days because it's kind of bare bones. Mm-hmm. But the way it works, it sort of learns what you look for and what you're interested in and sort of tailors the phone itself and the experience to your like search patterns which is a lot of people weird. i know who work in mobile mobile phones mobile technology different sectors of that even people i know who work for samsung uh say that the google phone is the future mm-hmm. they're like this is the future this is a leader this is going to be seen as a a little bit ahead of its time yeah kind of far out there but this is going to be where everybody's it's going kind of like pre- when they had google Glass. and pretty soon oh, google will be hard yes. to catch yeah um but here was the final the nail in the coffin for me at the end of the day, I said, am I going to be able to get the stuff from my old phone onto a new phone easily? If I have an iPhone 6, am I going to be able to transfer all this stuff to a Samsung S8? And the answer, for the most part, was not really. 
And that was sign of a deal breaker for me with a lot of that stuff. They couldn't. Not not the way not as easily as you'd okay. think. Apple is pretty sneaky in that way, where Apple makes it very easy. Yeah, they to... make it very hard to work with other people. Like yeah. Apple specifically builds it in so you can't, because people like him make the decision because of it. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the same reason that like they just changed their computers a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my buddy who does our programming. He's got you know his MacBook Pro, and he's like, yeah, I've got the one from this year because you can still go in and change it and you know add things and work on it yourself. But they've sealed them off. Just same thing like with iPhones where you can't. Yeah. Go get it worked on. You have to go to their people, pay their premium, and it keeps you in the family because once you're in, you can kind of never leave. I mean, that's their that's a retention strategy on their part. I like the Apple because it works with everything at our house. Yeah, right. iMac or Mm -hmm. iPad. I can message from my. I can take calls from my my iMac. They've done an amazing job at building like a like sort of building that world. You know what I mean? That's a huge achievement in business. Let me ask you this, Heather, because you strike me as a little bit more like someone like me in the way that you just want your technology to work for you as a thing. I want it to work. I want it to be nice and fine. But your husband is very tech oriented. Mm Does he like Apple stuff? Is he oh, more, yeah. He's really got me into yeah. Apple. Because I would feel like for someone, a lot of tech people I know who are very tech savvy seem to be on the side of the Android stuff because it lends to more like customization. When he's, well, he's also mm-hmm. a developer, so I think he likes the way the, the laptop works. Sure. I mean, like, but mm-hmm. he's the one who got me all into it. Interesting. Like, he had like yeah. the first iPhone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would open mm-hmm. this thing in our house and there's every like iPhone. We have probably like four old iPhones we don't yeah. use, there's mm-hmm. every iPad. But I like it just because everything connects, and they got me. They hook, line, and sunk me right in there because I can mm-hmm. I message without being with being on Wi-Fi. I mm-hmm. can do everything with. I think you made a good choice. I feel yeah. okay with it, but here's the thing, right? So again, here's the big kick in the teeth. This is typical Sam Fanlaro fashion. So I get all excited. I got the new phone. I'm finally on board. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take it home. I'm gonna plug it into my uh, my computer, and I'll transfer my last um, you know my last backup onto it. Bing, bang, boom. Be awesome. Here's the problem. My iPhone 6 was in such poor shape because I had done so much like aftermarket work to keep it surviving as long as it did that the data that I backed up was corrupted. So at the oh. end of the day, I couldn't transfer anything over. Didn't have any of your old backups. Just my phone numbers. Pretty much everything else was start from scratch all over again. Yeah. And that really annoyed me because it's like, well, if I'm going to start from scratch all over again, I could have gotten... Yeah. Yeah, the, the reason I made this decision. Yes, the reason I made this decision in the first place. So that was my typical San Fimaro, uh schadenfreude existence where it's all mm. coming around to kick me in the butt. There so, you go. Yeah, good. <laughs> schadenfreude. There you go. Um, Heather, I know you have to leave in like five minutes. I know you said you're on a time limit today. I know, I hate it, but I have to go in a few minutes. No, that's okay. We, well, we're already over what I would expect us to get for this segment anyway. So if at any point in time we, you just want to get up and leave, feel free to. Like, you can just walk out the door, it'll be fine. Because mm-hmm. there's only two things I want to bring up, uh, anyway. And this is one that I think is kind of interesting. We're not going to get into vaping today. We're going to talk about vaping. I've, oh, I've had a lot yeah. of people. We have to get into that at some point. We'll talk about it next. I'll save it for next week because there is some conversation about it. I will say, and the reason I'm going to bring it up, we'll talk about it next week. I feel like every ad on Hulu now is about anti-vaping It is. Every, there's like two commercials that always play, and one's that and something else with mm-hmm. medicine. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, I just want to throw this by you. There's a new uh, trend in New York City, New York City restaurant, that is now serving cookie dough as a dessert. Right? You just walk up. You get yourself the cookie dough in a cup. It's made so there's no egg in it, so you can just eat it. What are your thoughts about cookie dough on its own as a dessert to go? <laughs> We're such a big society. <laughs> I remember seeing, like, Jay Leno in um, Las Vegas, and he said, we're probably the only country that puts cheesecake as a topping. Probably, (laughs) really. I mean, honestly. So, like, now we're eating cookie dough. It's just... um, just This is a good example, I feel like, of, like, 
we just want more and more. Like, yeah. the idea of why cookie dough is delicious is because you're making cookies and it's, like, the little bit that's, like, left in. Like, it's it's sort of like a forbidden fruit. Like, we've taken that and we're like, no, now we want only this. Well, that's the fun part of it. You can only get cookie dough once in a while. Like, when you're making cookies. Now you yeah. go to a not, if, not if somebody thinks they can sell it. Not if somebody thinks they can market it and sell it. I just don't. And here's the thing, though, right? Like, I understand why I would want a bowl of ice cream. It's a hot day out. Take a walk down the street. A little soft serve ice cream on a cone. A little swirl in a cup. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Nice. I don't think that a cup of cookie dough is refreshing in any way. No. <laughs> I don't even care for cookie dough all that much. I like, mean, anyway. No, it's kind of schmuddy. I don't, yeah, I don't, get it. I don't see that lasting long mm. unless they do some creative things with it. But. New York City has all sorts of stuff like this. Like yeah. I remember when the cronut was a big thing and people oh, were yeah. lined up around the street for the croissant donut and then everyone had it. Um, this is like a thing that goes on all the time. So cookie dough raw as a as a thing. All right, uh, so I don't have any more stories. I'll let you go, but I do have one parting shot for you guys, and this is this was hilarious. Um, this is a story from today. I was at work, and I was doing a lot of paperwork at my desk, and it was one of the lunch periods, and a student walked up to me and said, can I get a pass to go to lunch? I said, yeah. Now, let me give you a little background. This student is into, like, young adult fiction. He's, like, kind of a nerd. He's into, like, uh, like Harry Potter type stuff. Right? He's into, like, all sorts of fantasy and dystopian future, Hunger Games books like that, all sorts of things, right? And he's always talking about stuff like this. So he comes back, <laughs> comes back from lunch, he's got an apple, and he throws it out. And I go, well, you didn't eat that apple? And <laughs> this is a real thing a kid said to me, a 13-year-old kid said, nah, it had a black spot on it. I kept looking at it, and it was a Rorschach test, and it was like I could see all my childhood fears and insecurities. And I just looked at him, and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's like, what? Like, like, how do you respond to how that? How do you respond? <laughs> I'm like, you're the smartest kid I've ever met, but like, just chill. It's just an apple. You no, could have cut, cut a piece of that. Was he being serious? Just like, no, I, that's just, he just how he is. his whole life is talking about like stories he hasn't finished writing in his head about dystopian leaders and feudalistic societies. That's just, he's a creative kid. It just, it is what it is. That's what kids, some kids oh. are, kids nah, are weird. This all kids, but. <laughs> no, we know, we, I know a lot of kids like that growing up. You know kids like that. I foster, I try and foster yeah, kids who have creative like tendencies in that way like I know a lot of kids I don't mean to get off tangent I've actually had kids in school who've gotten in trouble because they've written in like journals stories that were like sort of graphic or yeah. like whatever and like they'll get called in front of the principals and the principal will be like what's wrong with you and it's like what do you mean what's wrong with you kids, alone. he's creating like I, I maybe I'm on the wrong you know, no you just find no. a different way to handle it yeah. authoritarianism yeah. never works authoritarianism well, got it every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWise1. I'll let you go. Go see your yeah, family and kids. Thanks Thank for being here. Uh, follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast. Uticast.com for all current and back episodes. Go to MadeInUtica.com as well. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We will see you folks uh, next uh, week. Woodstock lives. <laughs>